Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a living clean study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Living Clean. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide a commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then our participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions, and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. This is episode 42. We're going to begin on the top of page 146, what having children is. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Uh, Brian B., you can jump in and introduce yourself, please. Sure, Douglas. My name is Brian B. I'm an addict. My clean date is November 18, 2019. My home group is in southwestern Pennsylvania, the Sunday morning literature meeting of NA. Thanks, Brian. What's up, Jane A.? Hey, everybody. Jane from Salem, Oregon. Clean date 12-22-79. And I attend meetings in Midwillamette Valley. And currently, Thursday noon, basic tech study is my home group. What's up, Casey? Everybody, my name is Casey and I'm an addict. My clean date is 9.30 of 2013. I attend meetings in the Mid-Willamette Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous, and my home group is the Tuesday-Thursday West Salem Recovery. Thanks, Casey. What's happening, Barb? Hey, Douglas. I'm Barbar. I live in the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10.495, and my home group is the Open Mind in New Orleans. Thanks, Barb. What's happening, Paul? Hi, Douglas. I'm Paul M. Uh, my clean date is January 6, 1995. I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana, and my home group is Monday Night Open Mind. Thanks, Paul. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27, 1992, and I attend meetings in Sacramento, California. My home group is the Journey Within Group of Narcotics Anonymous. Thanks, Jennifer. What's happening, Lee? Hey, Douglas. Um, Lee P. Attic. Clean date 827.87. I attend meetings in New Orleans, and my home group is also open mind. Thanks, Lee. And, and folks, we have two guests um, for the next few weeks. I'm going to bring them in now. Uh, we have Mike L. What's happening, Mike? Hey, what's up, Douglas? My name is Mike. I'm an addict. I'm also from Sacramento, California. My home group is the Journey Within Group and Narcotics Anonymous. My clean date is May 1st, 2014. I just celebrated eight years. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, good job, brother. All right. Other guests for this evening. Daryl G. What's happening, Daryl? Dougie Press. Uh, hey, my name is Daryl. Um, I am from Cottonwood. Arizona. Uh, I attend meetings in the Verde Valley area of Narcotics Anonymous. My home group is the New Foundation, New Foundation Men's Group of Narcotics Anonymous, and I'm throwing it out there. I'm moving at the end of the month to uh, the central Indiana area of Narcotics Anonymous, um, and I'm uh, going to be looking for a new home group because I heard being homeless isn't good. Thanks, Daryl. All right, folks, and, and I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I go to clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. So here we go. Living Clean Study for the Anonymous Podcast. 
This is the 42nd episode. We're going to begin on the top of page 146 with having children is. Barb, could you read first the first two paragraphs and make our comments? Sure, Douglas. Having children is a lifetime commitment, whether we enter into it carefully and thoughtfully or entirely by surprise. One of the things that distinguishes parenting from other relationships in recovery is that it is constant. We never stop being parents, even if we are not around our kids all the time. Whether we are with our children constantly or never see them at all, the fact that we are parents exposes us to a power of love we may not have known before. We are more capable and more vulnerable than we had imagined. Having children opens us to a deeper connection than any other in our lives, but it's, it is also a lifelong lesson in letting go. Many of us assume that being a parent is something we are supposed to know how to do instinctively, and it can be hard to ask for help. The principle of open-mindedness helps us to remain teachable and to look for teachers all around us. Some of us find the support we need by bringing our children to meetings and raising them immersed in the fellowship. Others of us have children who have no idea we are in recovery at all. Whatever choices we make about how our families and fellowship intersect, we know that the skills we learn in recovery make us better parents, partners, and children to our parents at any stage of our lives. And my my child, my kid was, uh, well, I had two kids. The first one I had when my disease was taken off. I was a kid having a kid. I had him at um, 15. I got pregnant, had him at 16. And he died um, from cancer when he was six years old. And then I went ahead to use for many years. Then I had a child at 40. That's me, extremes. <laughs> I had uh, my second child, Nick. Um, and I was five, I, I drank until I was five months pregnant. And I, alcohol wasn't my drug of choice, but when you took away everything else, the alcohol um, became my drug of choice, you know? But anyway, I came, came into recovery then. And my son has been... Um, immersed in, you know, his family is recovery people, you know, his adopted dad was in recovery. And um, so he's grown up around it. If you, if you bring him and, and uh, with a group of men, he went to see my dad and, and my stepmom told me that my dad and my brothers went in the other room and she and her girlfriends went in another room and Nick went with the women in the other room because he's been raised around strong women in recovery, you know. So um, that's that's the good thing about it. You know, he's very comfortable um, with women. And, um, you know, my son has been my life. I like that where it talks about learning to let go because that, that's what it's been. My son is 26 now. And um, I was so enmeshed with him that I had to go to another fellowship because I was ruining our relationship, you know, and by my first son dying too that I was, I was kind of overprotective and he knew that and understood that, you know, for a lot of years of his life. But um, letting go of him has been such a process, an eye opener to see that um, how I found me, another layer of finding me, you know, letting go. I'm still, I'm still Nick's mom, I'll always be his mom, but letting go of that being my whole being and, you know, just that being an aspect of me and finding out, you know, who I am has been, uh, monumental for him and for me, you know, and he just called me right before this podcast. He's in the Marshall Islands. I raised a kid that um, was a military police in, in the army. And I remember when he was in um, Fort Leonard Wood, his dad and me 
he said something about doing a police check and we were like, oh shit, are we going to be able to get in? <laughs> you know, and then I raised the kids. The, the universe has such a sense of humor, you know, it's so cool. But I think that's due to recovery that I was able, that brought me back to those values and I was able to raise a kid that was a cop, you know. But anyway, he just called me from the Marshall Islands and he's getting ready to make a whole bunch of decisions. He's not happy in that island. He's going to leave Owen the IRS if he leaves early. And I was able to, because of this other fellowship, say, you're, you're an adult, you know, you, you'll make the right choice, you know, just weigh your options. You know, I, I told him what I would do is I would pray. I would write pros and cons and then, you know, make my choice, live with my choice. But um, and, and that was from a controlling overbearing that was ruining our relationship to being able to say that today, you know, and to maybe, and to have a relationship recovery is awesome. You know, it just report, it, you know, in spite of myself, it repairs the damage I do, you know, and um, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So that's enough for me. Thanks for those comments, Barb. Um, th this piece right here about being a parent exposes us to a power of love not known before more vulnerable piece. Um, when when my wife at the time, I found out that she was pregnant, God told me, he said, you're about to go from being the picture to the picture frame. And I was kind of chewing on that. And man, the, the moment I locked eyes with Alexander, um, you know, he, he, he was kind of like hanging upside down, you know, <laughs> and I locked eyes. And I understood what that meant, man. I became the picture frame. It was, it was, it was, it was powerful. It opened me up to like, um, I didn't think I could be opened up like that. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a very tender, a tender man or anything like this, but man, my little baby made me a very, like immediately opened up this tenderness about me. And I'll, the last comment I'll make here, and we'll see if anybody else wants to jump in, raising them immersed in the fellowship. That's what I've chose to do with my, with my two boys. Um, a lot of you folk are on here, man, are family to my sons. They'll call you uncle Paul. They'll do, you know, Leo bless them with a pack of lighters. They're hanging out with Jen. We went tubing with Casey, like all this stuff. Uncle B's their hero about, about lifting weights. Like, it's like my, I've chosen to have my kids, you know, raised immersed and it's, and I respect other people. And I know some folk who, who, who their kids don't, don't know they go to meetings and it's like, you know, teenage sons don't know, you know, that they're, that they're, and that's fine. You know, that that's not my story. And what I've done, it's, it's just really neat, man, to navigate life with my sons kind of, kind of knowing and learning this way. And here, and I'll share this little funny thing and I'm going to kick it over to you, Jennifer is like, um, sometimes like if I'm hard on one of my sons, you know, and I'm like bitching at him a little bit and I'm a little bit harder or, or, or they're, they're, they're real snarky too. One, not too long ago hit me with, well, okay, but don't, don't come making amends. Don't say, Hey, we're going to start this over and stuff like, you know, right. You know, and, uh, uh, yeah you know, little shit sometimes, man, but they're my little shits, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so it's kind of cool, but uh, all right, I'm going to go ahead and pass. What's happening, Jennifer? Thanks, Douglas. I don't know any teenagers that aren't little shits, but I mean, unless, whatever, unless somebody else is listening has perfect kids. Um, I think, you know, to tie into what, you know, Barb was talking about a little bit about letting go. You know, I have a 23-year-old daughter who left home when she was 19 and she's actually here visiting right now. So she's 23. So she's been gone for almost four years. And she was, I mean, all my kids have been raised in the fellowship, but she really immersed herself into the fellowship growing up. And, you know, 
everybody in my support group knows her, loves her. Everybody's like, when can I see you? You know, she's like, everybody's fighting for time for her when she's here for two weeks. And, 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 and what I can say about that more, we're more capable, we're more vulnerable. You know, um, I didn't have, have that growing up. I didn't have um, a tender, loving, you know, the door, the Douglas used a tender, loving mother. I, I remember a piece of it for, you know, quick minute. And then a lot of things happened in my mom's life that shut her off. And so one of the things that I've been able to do in recovery is um, not only become what I didn't have, um, but offer them something different than I got, you know, and, um, and, and Narcotics Anonymous has given me the gift to do all of that, you know, and, and I'll, and I'll share this real quick, you know, because I've immersed my family into the fellowship, um, you know, everything that happens that's been either life-changing or, you know, celebratory, there's this whole group of people that come with it for them, right? Like they have a support group that is so big because I have a support group and, and the love that comes from the fellowship in time, in all times, you know, not when things are just good, not when they're bad, all the time, right? There's never a time when people aren't happy to see my kids. There are plenty of times when I'm not happy to see my kids, but everybody else is happy to see my kids, you know? And, um, you know, I, and, and this is an, this is an example, and this is the part for me where I really realize the love of the shop fellowship goes way beyond inside the rooms. You know, my, my oldest daughter, who's here, she's 23, you know, from 15 to 17, she was in five mental institutions. She was cutting, she was taking pills. She was dealing with suicide, all of the things that I had no idea what to deal with. And, and, and I talk, I've talked about this a lot and I don't know if I'm repeating myself in this episode, but there was not a day that went by in when she was hospitalized that a member of the fellowship when I couldn't be there was not there never. And um, she was never alone. She was never without support and she was never without love, um, even when I couldn't be there for her. And that is what the fellowship has shown me, you know, and now here she is a thriving woman who left home, you know, um, despite me wanting to hold on to her and wrap her up like a baby in a burrito blanket and, and keep her here. Um, and she's a thriving beautiful woman, you know, um, and it's not because I did it by myself, you know, um, Narcotics Anonymous really did that for me, but that'll pass. Thanks. For those comments, Jennifer, Casey, can you read the next two paragraphs and make comments, please? Sure. There's a wide range of experience with being a parent in recovery. Some of us have our children with us through our addiction and our recovery. Some of us get new families after we get clean or start new families after we get clean. Some of us have children of our own and become an important part of a child's life anyway. It's hard to talk about the experience without getting distracted by our different theories or beliefs about parenting or even our own different styles of communication. We all have opinions about what's right and what's wrong. Recovery in NA gives us the freedom to figure out what is right for us and a chance to live it to the best of our ability. Just as there is no model for of a recovering addict, there's no model of a recovering parent. That's really true. Um, you know, I did drag my kids through my addiction more so my older child than my younger one. And, um, you know, my, my youngest was too young to really remember all of the things that were going on, but my, my daughter remembers everything. I mean, she remembers, um, all of the chaos and all of the people coming and going and all of the violence and, and all the things. And, um, and when I lost custody of them, 
um, you know, I got some time to, to try to figure me out and work on my recovery for a little bit before they came back home. And when they got back home, that was a tough transition. You know, I was so scared of screwing up in my life that everything had to be very, I was very drill sergeant. My house always had to be clean because I was afraid DHS was going to come in and say it wasn't clean enough and take away my kids again. Um, They had to have their homework done because I was afraid their, their teachers wouldn't think I was a good parent. Like there was all of these things that just consumed my parenting and um, it didn't work very well. Uh, You know, it it nearly ruined my relationship with my daughter because I was such a helicopter drill sergeant parent that she was miserable and I was miserable. Um, And so I, I have changed, right? Like the course has changed. And so I've learned a lot of how to parent, how I communicate with my kids today. Um, and that's been by trial and error. You know, I stay the course, I stay in the steps and I learn as I go what works for me. Um, and I look to my predecessors for advice in terms of, you know, parenting and um, communicating with my kids. And today, you know, my daughter is an adult. Um, she is going to have her own baby. She's got her own life. She's got her own place. And, uh, um, you know, it touched on in, in the previous paragraph about, about letting go. And, um, you know, I don't know how the hell she turned out the way that she did, because I surely know that I was not an example. I think she looked at me and was like, if my mom is in this direction, I'm going total opposite, you know, because she's financially responsible. Um, You know, she's got a healthier relationship than I ever had, you know, in in her childhood. Um, And so today I get to just uh, watch her blossom into this amazing adult. And we have this amazing relationship because I, I learned, I learned from these steps on, on being present with my kids, right? Like it wasn't about doing all of the things, checking off the boxes so that they weren't taken away from me and doing that. I missed out on so much time with them. And and today it's just about how do I show up and be present for them in the moment, you know, and I've had to watch my kids make some really tough mistakes. You know, my daughter, um, made some really poor choices when she was in high school, uh, that could have had some legal repercussions. And, um, you know, I, I got to walk through that with her and truly show her unconditional love, which wasn't something that I knew how to do before. Everything in my life was conditional. And I got to just be there, um, let her accept her consequences, which was very hard, right? I want to rescue them. I want to save them from going down the same roads that we did, but I really just got to love her exactly where she was at. And although it was a very scary moment in life for me, I mean, because of the legal repercussions that she was looking at, it was the most um, amazing experience that I ever had with my kid was really being able to show her what unconditional love looked like. You know, she doesn't get that from both sides of her family. She, you know, doesn't have a relationship with her dad um, by his choice. And, um, and so she, everything in her life has always been conditional. And so for me to be able to just show her, I'm going to love you through this and I'm not going anywhere. was really, um, a super touching thing for her and I both. And today we have this amazing relationship. And the other thing that I learned about parenting and choices is that my kids are different, right? Like what worked for my daughter doesn't work for my son. You know, my daughter, the more that I nagged on her about her grades in school, the more she pushed back. 
And as soon as I let go and I just said, hey, these are your grades. I'm not going to hound you. She aced her last two freaking years of high school. My son is opposite of that, right? Like I have to ask him daily, how's your homework going? And do you need help with anything? And so learning that how different they are um, and how parenting them differently is important because they are two different human beings. Um, you know, regardless of whether they were raised in the same household, they're still two individual people. And so it works differently for them and, and what works for one doesn't work for the other. And, and that's a direct result of trial and error, working the steps and, and having that village, you know, that Jen talks about. Most people uh, have known my kids since they were babies, although I didn't stay in the program. You know, um, most of the people that I have in my life today that are in my close circle um, came to my kids as baby showers. Uh, you know, did all of the things. And so they too know that they have this village of people that are not only safe for me, but safe for them too. And that's a blessing. So with that, I'll stop. Thanks for those comments, Casey. I want to bring in Mike. What's happening, Mike? What's going on? Um, first of all, I think I'm, I'm very fortunate that things ended the way they did, right? So, or turned out the way they did. It could have been, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so we have a we have a blended family. Um, my my kids, first of all, my kids. My ex wife moved to Texas when uh, when I couldn't I couldn't stop going in and out of prison, and um, and she moved to Texas for a different job. And then um, and once she once she realized that I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna stop that I wasn't gonna change my life. Um, she stopped giving me the address and she stopped giving me the phone numbers of where, where they were at. And so, you know, I remember I had about, I think I had about Jen, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I had about five or six months clean. And I was, and I remember talking to Jennifer in front of a Denny's and I was, and I was really interested in trying to find my kids at, at any cost. Right. And I remember having to track down my, track down my ex-wife through her work. It was almost felt like stalkerish almost. Right. But I was trying to find my kids, you know, and, uh, and I, and I finally tracked her down and, and you know, and, and the, the end result wasn't as what I expected. It didn't turn out real good, right? Here comes, here comes baby's daddy out of the blue wanting to talk to the kids. And all of a sudden he thinks it's time because he thinks it's right for him. Um, and so I started having to rely on other people in the program for suggestions and, and, and what they had done and what had worked for them. And, um, you know, and what I started doing is once I got her address, I started sending her money um, without the expectation that I was ever going to talk to my kids, just that it was the right thing to do. Right. Um, and that I'd been an absent parent for so long. And so I just started sending the money and pretty soon my daughter was the first one to come back into my life. And, and it was hard, you guys, right? Like it was, it was so hard to build that relationship. My son, my son was like, whatever, dad, I'm just glad you're back. Right. He wasn't really, he wasn't really uh, too shook about it, right? He was just glad that I was back in his life. And, and that relationship was, was an easier bridge to build. But my daughter, my daughter was pissed, right? And um, so, she, so she, she did some things. And we were talking about earlier, we were talking about the patients and having, you know, some open-mindedness and understanding, right? Um, we, sat at a, we sat at a Starbucks on Father's Day and she told me that she was going to change her name from my last name to her stepdad's last name. And... Um, you know, and those were one of those tough conversations, like, thank God for the steps and thank God for the people in Narcotics Anonymous that I didn't have to throw a reaction. Right. Um, I never had to say one cross word about her stepdad or, or about her mother or anything like that. Right. All I could do was clean my side of the street and make sure that I was working the principles of my life and be the best dad that I could and, and hopefully build on that relationship. And at the time, 
um, I was building this other family with, with my wife that I have today. Um, and I was helping, helping raise these kids from, from when they were small. And, um, and so this dynamic became, it was an incredible dynamic, first of all. Um, but we were like, what's going to happen when we try to blend this family together? And, um, and it was, <laughs> it was nothing short of a miracle. Um, my daughter and my stepson, they talk every day and they live in two different States and they're like best friends. Um, and, and you couldn't, you couldn't for better ending to this. And it was, um, but Casey, like you said, it was, it was, it was trial and error, right? It was just trying new things. And it, and it wasn't like, if something didn't work, I didn't have to beat my head against the wall. I didn't have to, I just didn't have to throw it all away. Well, that didn't work. They don't want to have a relationship with a relationship with me. I had to take the higher road on several occasions and just be patient. Right. And understand, you know what, if this is, if this is God's will and they never talk to me, then that's God's will. Right. And, and but I didn't have to push myself. I didn't have to insert myself into every situation and force my will on my kids. It was just something natural that happened. And, and, I, and I'm extremely grateful and thankful for that. And it's, um, and the other, the other caveat to that, and then I'll, and I'll, I'll pass it off is that, um, so I, I paid child support until my oldest daughter was like 23. Right. And, and my ex-wife would, she would, she would always ask me, Hey, are you going to, are you going to keep paying the child support? And then, and after a while I was like, well, how long are you going to pay the child support? Are you going to continue paying this out of guilt? Right. Or are you just going to have this relationship with your kids now and be able to provide them money when they need it? And, and, and so that was a whole another dynamic, but the, but the learning process and the growth that came for this was um, immeasurable. It was just, it was incredible. And um, so that's my next, that, that, paragraph just stuck out to me like there's there is a wide range of experience with being a parent recovery um some of us have our children with us through our addiction and recovery and some start new families after we get clean and for me it was both right and um and the dynamic just worked out so i really appreciate that paragraph and uh thanks for letting me share all right thanks for those comments man i was thinking i kind of felt it like right here when you were when you were talking about having that conversation and, and, and your child said i'm going to take so-and-so's last name um, so, so my boy's mom, you know, we're divorced. And, and when she was dating the guy that she's engaged to now, I didn't really very selfish and very embarrassingly enough. Like I didn't like when he would take them to, to a, um, a comic book store. Like that's how he tried to connect with them. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I would celebrate when they were, and when they would say like, he's a nerd. Okay. I would be like, yeah, you know, in my mind, like I didn't, I, I didn't, pre, you know, I didn't hit him with that stuff, but inside I'm like, yeah, fuck him. You know, he's a nerd. And then when, when they had a good time, it was like, oh, fucking hard to breathe, man. It hit in just a, a, a certain, you know, a certain spot. And uh, really what it come down to, and I think we, we, the essence of what you're, you're talking about, I really relate to is like kind of grateful that they're, you know, maybe like their mom found a, a, a good, you know, a good guy and just kind of be grateful for things are working out, it, it, you know, good like that. That's deep, man. Thank you. know, appreciate you, you be, being vulnerable and transparent with that. All right, Daryl, what's happening? Come on in. All right. Oh, man. I, lots of, uh, lots of topics to relate to, man. I'm, I'm just, just really grateful. Um, you know, that our literature tells us, you know, they're, there's also no model for the recovering parent. And, uh, you know, that, that allows me to be human, you know, because, uh, I, I've, I've made some mistakes, man. And I, I you know, I'm, uh, 
I, I appreciate you guys, you know, um, sharing what, what you have shared because I, I can, you know, definitely, definitely relate. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was six months clean and um, I was, I was recovery Rambo. You know, I was one of those guys, I had the key tags hanging off my belt buckle and, and um, you know, I, I, I want, I wasn't recovering anonymously. I wanted everybody to know I, I, I was home, man. Our, like our literature says, uh, you know, some of us walk into our first meeting and, and we found home. I was home, man. And I was so happy that I found, I found a way that started working for me and, um, and I could get clean and, and I was staying clean. And I had, I had six months clean and <clears throat> my son was already, uh, he was put into temporary guardianship of the state. And they were telling me like, look, if you don't pull your head out of your ass, you, your son's going into permanent guardianship of the state. And, um, and, and his, his mom was, was going through struggles of her own. So, um, she didn't have the ability to, to get him and, and, you know, that in this, you know, Narcotics Anonymous was, was showing up in my life, man. And, you know, I started working steps and I started diving into this process and the judge seen that. And, um, and six months clean, I go into the courtroom and he says, you know, Daryl, your son's coming home with you today. And I was like, what? You know, I, I was just learning how to wipe my own ass and, um, you know, let alone take care of a, of a kid. And um, so, you know, that's when uh, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, the, 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 the men in Narcotics Anonymous really showed up for me and, um, and taught me, you know, I, I got to emulate, I got to, uh, to, you know, look at men in the program and, and see, wow, he's, he's a really good father. And, um, and I, I got to emulate that. And then um, when I was having trouble in that area, I would, um, I, that's w when I started learning how to have platonic relationships with women. Yeah, I said it, platonic relationships with women. They helped me out and taught me how to be a nurturer because I didn't, you know, I didn't have to be that. You're not doing this and you're not doing that. And you're, you know, and, and I got to um, start to learn how to be a nurturer and to be, you know, uh, uh, that, that, you know, just some of that feminine energy that, that, a, that a young boy need, needs. And, um, and, and I was able to, to give that, you know, as a male and I'm comfortable with saying that. And I, and I, and I'm grateful for that. And, um, you know, and then when his, when his mom, uh, came back into his life, I, I was able to, um, I was able to be open-minded, you know, and, and again, yes, thank God for the steps. Thank God for this program. Thank God for other people in Narcotics Anonymous that, that have been there, done that. And, uh, and when his mom came back into his life and she has her own path of getting clean, I don't agree with it. She may not be clean to my standards or Narcotics Anonymous standards, but she's doing what works for her. And, um, and I had to uh, be okay with that and stay open-minded because a mother is important, very important in a boy's life. You know, I know this from, this is the reason why I'm moving to Indiana to be close to a mother that I never had. And um, uh, so I had to stay open-minded, you know, and, 
and go through those those you know sending him sending him over on the weekends and he'd come back high on sugar you know and i oh my gosh you know when was the last time you brushed your teeth and i had to to get used to that and um and then to to come back home and have these rules and be the bad guy and and um and, and then to learn how to communicate with her and to be respectful and and and, uh, and today we're, we're really good friends. We have some of the best conversations about our son. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing, man. I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, thanks for, thanks for uh, uh, everybody that has shared. And thanks for everyone that will share. Appreciate it. Thanks for those comments, Daryl. I'm going to kick it over to Paul. Can you read the next two paragraphs, please? I sure can. Um... When we have responsibility for our children, it can be very confusing to distinguish what is and what is not within our control. Writing an inventory helps us sort out what we believe so we can get so we can better act on it. I was freaked out when I knew we were going to have a baby. I didn't have a clue what to do. My sponsor asked me to write about a few simple to write about a few simple questions that were very helpful to me. What is a child? What are the needs of a child? What are a child's responsibilities? What is a parent? What are a parent's responsibilities? Parenthood is one area where our self-centeredness can do real harm. Working a program of recovery keeps us from getting drawn into self-obsession and helps us to see when we are recreating old patterns that we don't want to carry on to the next generation. Simply living lives of honesty and integrity sets a pattern for change. Our example teaches our children more than our words ever can. If we have been separated from our kids for a while, we may need to get to know each other again as we learn to deal with each other. There is often a struggle when we reunite with our children. They have their feelings about what has happened and it can be painful to acknowledge them. Our relationships with our children can be poisoned not only by the damage we do in our addiction, but by the guilt and shame we feel for what happened. Self-loathing is just another form of self-obsession and blinds us to the needs of the person in front of us. When we get out of the way, we find that we can be good parents at any stage of our children's lives, even if they are already adults we still have something to offer them. Our experience with selfless service in recovery teaches us that if we show up with willingness, the opportunities for us to help will naturally appear. So I told uh, Douglas I was gonna sit out for the next couple of weeks. Um, but then I thought maybe I should be here just to, to remind you all. It says, we started the evening with having children as a lifetime commitment, whether we enter into it carefully and thoughtfully or entirely by surprise. As the gay man here, I, I just wanna say, do you all think it's a surprise? You all do know what causes it, right? So everybody's clear on that, right? There's not really a surprise, is there? Is there really a surprise? So it was a surprise for me. I, uh, I came of age in the 70s as a gay man. I didn't think about children, having children. I was just trying to not get arrested. You know what I mean? That. Uh, uh, and holding hands with somebody you loved was a political statement more than it was an expression of love. And I remember, you know, um, doing that in, uh, in parades and stuff and getting stuff thrown at you and things like that. So children were never kind of on the, uh, on the radar. And so I got clean again after my relapse in 95. 
and um and there was two women in my life who were uh who i introduced and they uh, a lesbian couple and and were instrumental when i got clean again i lived with them for the first 30 days when i came back from my relapse and so one of them's uh nieces had her third child with not knowing who the father was in active addiction and um and Jeannie said, maybe, maybe we should adopt this third child. And, um, and so her and Roz ad adopted uh, Noah. And, um, and they asked me to be the godfather and, uh, and the kind of the male person. And, um, and so everything that was not even in the cards became in the cards. We lived uh, half a block from each other uptown here in New Orleans. And uh, Roz is a nurse and, and Jeannie's a teacher. And I worked nights uh, in a restaurant with about three years clean. And, um, and they dropped him off in the mornings. And, uh, and I took care of him. And uh, it was amazing. It was just amazing to, to you know, it was that kind of, how did I get here? How did this happen? And, uh, and in, in New Orleans, we call our godparents Paran, our Nanan and our Paran. It's the French, Dieu Parent, huh? See, for parent, godparent. And, uh, and uh, he called me today, he's 24. And he, uh, he said, Paran, uh, I, I got this job, I'm doing this. I've just graduated from college. I'm going to be working in the summer and uh and i said i love you i love you noah he said i love you paran and uh you know that's the that's the power of this fellowship possibilities that you never see coming you know for me that is a surprise so thanks those comments, Paul, and bring in Jennifer. What's up, Jen? For sharing that, Paul, it was really beautiful. Um, there was two sentences in the first paragraph that I really, really, really resonated with me. And 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 the parenthood is one area where self-centeredness can do real harm. And then when you go to the last sentence of that paragraph, our example teaches our children more than words ever can. There are, there are two things here that really struck out for me. And one was I grew up in a household where it was do as I say, not as I do. Um, so it didn't matter what the example was, you weren't supposed to do it, which the logic to me still to this day doesn't make sense, right? Like, so what I've attempted to emulate over the years is, is be the parent. Like if I want my kids to do something, I have to be willing to do the same exact thing that I'm asking them to do, you know, integrity, honesty, willingness, you know what I mean? All that stuff. But what happened for me at some point in this parenting process was the self-centeredness of me wanting to create the perfect family that I didn't have when I was growing up took away the example, you know? Um, and so I had to relearn really, you know, in the last couple of years, how my desire was so strong to not have my kids have the childhood that I had that I forgot to teach them how to be happy 
how to be free, how to have joy, you know, because I was so focused on it has to be this, it has to be that, it has to be this. And it, and I've learned just in the last year that, you know, right now in this moment, me and my kids are the happiest they've, we've ever been, you know, and we talk about it all the time, you know, and everything in our life has changed drastically, you know, um, you know, we're, we're moving next week into a house uh, for the first time. I, I've never had a house on my own. I've always lived with somebody or roommates or a man or whatever. Like I'm moving into a house with my kids by myself and we're moving on with our lives, you know, despite lots of changes, you know, and, um, and the one thing that I have done this time, you know, this, in this last little round of changes in our life is I've been transparent with them and I've been honest with them. And I've like, you know, we have these like talks that nobody wants to have because they're awkward and uncomfortable, but that's what I needed when I was growing up. I needed my mom to not tell me what not to do. I needed her to tell me what she, you know, what was going on and how we were going to get through this, you know? Um, and, and, and it's amazing to me, the shift in not only myself, you know, but my kids, you know, and, um, and it doesn't mean that things still aren't difficult and that change isn't hard, but what it means to me today is that the joy and the freedom that I've experienced, I get to pass on to my kids. And, and I forgot that like, usually when I'm happy or I have good things going on in my life, usually they join in on that, you know? Um, and when I'm miserable and suffering, even if I'm trying to pretend like I'm not, I mean, they're not stupid, you know, my kids are pretty smart. Um, and so, it's been a huge game changer for us. And, and I wouldn't have gotten that had I not been able to learn how to get out of the self-centeredness, had I not decided to, you know, continue to work steps and do the work and, and people could just continue to pour love into me, even when I don't do things right, or I, you know, fuck up or I make a bad decision, you know, people keep pouring into me and then I keep pouring into my kids. And so it just passes on over and over again. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. For those comments, Jennifer, uh, Brian, then I'm gonna pull Barb in, then I'm gonna kick it to Jane for the next two. What's up, Brian? Well, thanks, Douglas. And, uh, you know, what stood out to me was uh, where it says in quotation, I was freaked out when I knew we were going to have a baby. I didn't have a clue what to do. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was just thinking about, you know, where I'm at in my life and, and you know, being 40 years old and two and a half years clean and, and not having any kids kids and thinking like Paul like maybe I should have took the night off but like um, you know I feel like I do have something to, to share and um, you know I feel like addiction robbed me uh, of that kind of life you know what I mean um, I was never I, I don't even think I would want to have a kid you know when I was actively using just to um, you know deny him the, of, of uh, growing up you know with a clean father you know but you turn around today and what Narcotics Anonymous has given me is like a life beyond my imagination to where like, <clears throat> if I were to have a child today, I know that I would be able to be a good parent. And it's all because of this, you know, and um, if my girlfriend would someday tell me that she was pregnant, you know, I, I can't say that I wouldn't be a little bit afraid, to be honest, you know what I mean? But but what I know is like, I have faith today. You know, they say that faith is the opposite of fear. And I know that God would you know, how I understand God will take care of me, you know, and take care of my family. And um, I just want to make sure that it's done, you know, the proper way, so to speak, you know, and it's with someone that I love. And um, 
but you know, it, it all comes back to making sure that, that I'm, I'm where I need to be in my recovery because recovery has to come first. And, you know, all the things that I have in my life today are because I'm clean. And, you know, my sponsor reminded me of that today and um, just making sure that I'm in the, in the middle of what's going on, so to speak, because life can get good and things can get good. And I don't want to forget where I came from because I know that can happen real quick. And I know that I have a lot to offer, not only to the newcomer, but, you know, to the guys that have been around for a while to see that it's working. And, um, you know, sometimes I hear people in the fellowship talking about being embarrassed to bring their kids to meetings because they're a distraction, but I love it, man. I love to see the little kids at meetings and stuff, you know, I always get a smile on my face because I love kids, man. And, you know, I just want to have a little Brian, a little Brian running around, and, you know, taking the baseball and football like my dad did, and, you know, just coach him up and stuff. Or even if I would have a daughter, you know, that'd be cool too. But, you know, it's all, it's all in God's plan, you know, for my life, the way that I understand God to be, which is always loving and caring, man. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to get in and share. Don't have any experience in this matter, but one day I may. So uh, thanks. I'll pass. Thanks for those comments, Brian. That's beautiful. And for the folks listening, you know, Brian, you know, there's just not a shirt that can contain all his muscles and stuff like that, you know, and it's kind of funny thinking about if you have a little girl, how, how you have her in the gym, you know, getting hawked out. But I knew Brian for, for uh, I mean, for forever and uh, really proud of you, bro. I, I, man, I wish that I could have had a father like, like the man you are today. This is beautiful, man. Really proud of you. I'm going to kick it over to Barb. What's happening, Barb? Hey, Douglas, there's a lot that jumps out at me. I was just cleaning out a filing cabinet, and it says about the sponsor having you write stuff. I came across it, and I didn't read it. Usually, I read it, but my first therapist had me um, write what I wanted to give Nick that I didn't get, and and I got a couple pages in there that I of things I wrote, and I know it was early recovery. When I go back and read that shit, it's so idealistic and little girlish, you know, so I know it's it'll you know it'll be all those things, but I leave that I always leave it in there because I know I wrote that I want him to know how much I loved him and all these dreams I had for him, and I want one day for him to go in that filing cabinet and find that and read that. You know that's my gift to him when I especially since I'm getting older. You know, and I like this about um, I always said the twelve steps starts at home. I always say that in meetings. You know, I I have no business out here trying to save everybody and my kids are running amok. I'm not I'm not doing, you know, what I need to do at home. And then I always say too that guilt isn't in the solution. Where you know, because I would I would react with Nick for guilt for my first son. <laughs> you know what I didn't do for him that I would then I would do that with Nick. So I had to not do that. And I would be remiss if I didn't say. It says help to see we we are recreating old patterns. I, I went to therapy. I had zero parenting skills. My mom did the best she could. And, and I realized by not being a mother to my first son that, that I did the best I could with him. And then I was able to forgive my mom. But my mom um, would spank us with racetracks and belts and stuff. And, 
And, and so I went the opposite with Nick. I was like, I'm not going to spank him. And he's going to be this free. He, I created a brat. He was like four years old. He was out of control off the chain. And I was ready to abuse this kid, you know? And if you think that if you haven't been abused, that you don't have the propensity to abuse, you do, you know, that's prejudice is taught abuse is taught you know, and you do. And I've always, I've always known that. So I went to therapy. I went and got outside help, you know, and they helped me understand a lot of stuff. They gave me the parenting skills that I needed. I went to a psychologist that was very, um, you know, very tough, you know, and, and, and you have to be consistent. And, and um, that, that is where I learned the parenting skills to parent my son, you know? And one of the things that I struggled with was consistency. You know, I would get him in line. He would respond so well, just like us. When we come in the program, he would respond to that discipline and stuff. And then I would fall off because he was doing good, you know? And I, my first therapist told me in early recovery, she said, Barb, don't let him catch you my meaning my son and guess what in a couple areas he caught me you know and it was lacking in my parenting you know it showed in my parenting you know but um but you know he's got to learn his lessons just like I had to learn mine he'll go to a therapist one day he'll say what would my mom do oh yeah she'd go to therapy so he'll go to therapy too you know and um you know and that's up to him so um I think that was it I think that's the parts that jumped out at me thanks Doug for those comments barb look at these questions here man i thought the, the, these are really cool i in my margin i wrote do this with the boys um what's a child what are the needs of a child what are a child's responsibilities what's a parent what are their parents responsibilities those are fucking good man to open those lines of communication my buddy carl told me too when he, he in his profession when he works with children and he because and we were talking about what i could do to to communicate with my boys better so ask them, what are you trying to communicate? What do you need? What would you like to see in this situation? Very kind of direct, kind of simple questions. But damn, that's all that's all really good. And, and those were shit. My parents had never asked me any of those. Never. When my old man says something, I was scared to death not to do it. He's the most intimidating man. You know, probably by the time I was 13 or 14, I could probably take him with the hands. But he was still real, real intimidating to me. You know, it just... It just is like that, man. Hey, I want to share something real quick, Jane, and then I'm going to kick it over to you for, for, for the next two. I think, Jennifer, you were talking about that sense. Our example teaches our children more than our words ever can. That's in every area, every relationship in my life. It, it goes well beyond parenting. But something I've seen with my parenting happened last summer. Paul Lee, we were at the camp out. I don't, is that Alabama or Mississippi or wherever it was down there? And we, and we were kicking it. My boys were down there. We we're getting ready to break bread. We had all the food there. We ate, you know, doing our family thing. And uh, whereas Lee and my, my older son called, we were at church, you know, and then afterwards I told my boys, I was like, you know, go ahead, get them dishes tightened up. And, uh, and my son said, well, where's the women at, you know, to, you know, to do the dish. Now listen, which is the way it should be, you know, and I know I say that a lot. I'm just joking with that, but like, look, and that's something I demonstrated to him. You know, it really didn't open my eyes to like, man, I probably need to step that back a little bit. You know, like my perspective on on that doesn't really need to, you know, like I need to change and I need to grow, you know, in certain areas. And that's and that's something cool about watching these watching these not not mirror image of me, but like these little humans that are so much like me, man, are just like just showing me, hey, here's some areas of growth for you. Here's something to change. You know, it, it, it's been a it's been wild, man. It's wild. Anyhow, 
All right, Jane, would you be willing to read the next two, starting with, I, I let my kids? Yes, gladly. I let my kids take the lead on love. They showed me warmth and nutrients I hadn't known before, and I learned to stop controlling and just enjoy. Another parent in recovery said, my partner's big, warm family taught my child how to love and hug and call back. I'm learning from him to accept their affection for what it is, even when it feels uncomfortable to me. Part of the joy and the difficulty of parenting is that we are constantly experimenting. No two children are the same and no two parents are either. We learn to adapt our beliefs to reality, check our behavior and use the tools we learn in NA to build a family we're glad to be part of. But even the best parents may have times when they're not so sure they like their kids. We are human, we're not our child's higher power, and there are times when just not doing the next wrong thing is the best we can manage. I used to run into the bathroom and close the door, said one woman. I'd get on my knees and just pray until the desire to hit my child would pass. Another said, I would go in my room and just pray for bedtime. Our frustration and our fear can lead us to respond in ways we think we've grown past. We aren't perfect for we're getting better. We start by doing harm and find that we can do a lot of good if we are willing to try. Boy. I was thinking when Paul was sharing about, you know, surprise, how can it be a surprise? And I was thinking, I wasn't surprised about getting pregnant. And uh, and uh, I was pregnant at 16 and did the shotgun wedding and the whole thing and had my last child when I was 19. And so getting the pregnant wasn't a surprise. The surprise was that this was a person that came out. It's like, now, wait a minute. I was having the kids to either be loved. This, this little person's going to love me no matter what or because that's what you're supposed to do, which was the other driving force. But the idea that I was going to have to be a parent never entered my mind. That was the surprise. Uh, I was far too selfish and self-centered to even think about that. And uh, there's been some good stuff shared here tonight. And, and boy, I'm telling you, I'm a far better great-grandparent and grandparent than I ever was a parent. And uh, I learn along the way how to uh, get better and better. And I, I couldn't uh, imagine trying to add much to what has already been said in terms of just trying to be a better parent than my parents and try to parent in a that they didn't. Uh, although I gotta tell you, there were some things about honesty and integrity and hardworking that, uh, that they believed very strongly in that I still tried to pass on to my kids. So. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, I would look around in the rooms and I'd see these people that stopped using drugs and maybe they worked the steps once all the way, one through 12, but they just seemed to know how to be a parent. They just seemed to know how to get up and go to work every day. They just seemed to know how to pay their bills and not write a hot check. They seemed to know how to be a, uh, in a relationship and, uh, all the things I didn't know how to do and couldn't do. And uh, 
and I'm thinking, wow, what's wrong with me? Uh, what's wrong with me? Why can't, why am I so broken that I don't know how to do those things automatically like they seem to know how to do? And um, uh, I'm very, very grateful to the support system around me that said, um, so learn, so learn. And, um, and so it's been a journey trying to learn how to do all of that. And, uh, um, and I, I truly believe letting my kids uh, lead on the love was really super important. And, uh, and learning how not to use the shame and the guilt of my lack of parenting as the tools for my parenting, um, not parent out of guilt. Um, that's still a self-obsession. That's still self-centeredness and uh, um, learning to just be open. And me and the great grandkids, we have great conversations. So, and uh, and you know, one of the best moments of uh, my parenting, because my kids are all in their fifties now, and one of the things that I love to hear is every once in a while they'll they'll shoot out some quick little phrase that they were taught when they were growing up. And sometimes they'll turn to one of their kids and say something like, easy does it. Just do that one day at a time. And I just smile, just smile. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe they have no need for uh, any, um, but they've learned from it. My kids were immersed in the, we did everything. We went camping together and the dances together and the potlucks together. And we did all of that together. And part of that was because I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> If we didn't do that, uh, just didn't know. And, uh, and then part of it was, it was just so good to see him smile. And uh, uh, it's been a growing up situation with us for sure. So if you're out there and you're just like, do not know what to do with that kid one more moment, I highly recommend go to the bathroom and shut the door every once in a while. I was uh, more than one occasion. I said, your mom's not here from the bathroom with the door shut <laughs> so, and, um, or call somebody that's been around for a while. So to get through that next few moments, I remember calling my sponsor and saying, that kid wants to eat again today. <laughs> I fed you on Tuesday and Thursday. I got to feed you today too. <laughs> it just was that whole discipline was slow for me to learn, slow for me to learn. That's enough out of me. Go ahead. Those comments, Jane. What's happening, Casey? Yeah, this paragraph where it talks about not liking your kids. You know, I used to have this thing where I tell my kids, I have to like you, but I don't. I mean, I have to love you, but I don't have to like you. Um, you know, I was, uh, I think, 18 months clean when I got custody back of my kids. And at first, right, like you go through this honeymoon stage, and I did a lot, a lot of parenting out of guilt. And, um, and that had some repercussions, right? It comes back to bite you in the ass when you do that. And so then I had these kids who thought they could do whatever they wanted. But when I got custody back of my kids, uh, you know, my daughter learned how to manipulate that pretty well and use it to her advantage. And um, so I get my kids back. My daughter was 13. So I have this hormonal 13-year-old kid who comes back in my custody after being gone from me for three years. Um, and now I have them back full time. And it was a freaking mess. And one of the best things that I ever did that I, I felt guilty about was putting my daughter in my four-step. Um, it was very hard. I felt like I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't have anger towards my kids or I shouldn't be upset with how they're behaving. Um, but it changed my freaking relationship with her, putting her on my four-step and working through that 
um, and getting real about it. Um, telling my sponsor, I want to smack the shit out of her, you know, and that's harsh truth. And, uh, but bottling that shit up inside was killing me. It was, I mean, I was two years clean, had just gotten custody back of them and wanted to either die or get loaded because I was so miserable as a parent. And I got a, a sponsor who fortunately told me, get real, get real with how you're feeling about your kids and put her on your fourth step. And so there was, uh, you know, multiple sets that my, particularly my daughter, just cause like I said, she was a 13 year old hormonal kid. Um, she don't went on my fourth up a lot and, uh, but I got to get to the other side of that and I got to make amends to her when I needed to. Um, and, and that was a, that's a beautiful thing. You know, today, my kids, as a result of leading by example and doing the things, my kids work these steps in their own lives. I mean, they don't walk through the 12 steps, but you know, I would take them through one through five. Um, they know what it means to make an amends. My son has known that since he was five. I mean, we use that language in my house. And, uh, you know, it's had a direct trickling effect into their life that I'm super grateful for. You know, I say all the time, I, if the whole world were to set 12 steps, it'd be a much better place. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that I was able to, to implement that into their life. And I'm glad that I was able to learn that it's okay to have those feelings and to be frustrated with our kids and to not have it all figured out and to, you know, want to smack the shit out of them. You know, I, I never did, you know, and that was key, but uh, it's been a, a great thing. So with that, that's all I got. All right, Casey, thanks for those comments. Daryl, we got one minute coming to you. Final comments. Yeah, I just, um, I, I just, I'm glad I'm not alone, you know, and uh, so grateful that, you know, we are making the change, you know, we, we are making the change, you guys, we're, we're, we're breaking the cycle. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I'm so grateful to hear all this, these, uh, you know, little uh, one liners that, that our kids give, you know, my, I was tripping out on future tripping on Indiana, my son the other day goes, uh, hey, dad, we're not even there yet. Be present in the moment. And, and I was, I looked at him like, okay. And that's all I got, you guys. We're breaking the cycle. I love you guys. Beautiful, Daryl. Thanks. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in and, and uh, your action item this week. Find somebody that this resource can help and kick, kick it over to them. And uh, reach out to us on the Facebook or the number if you want to be a guest. Um, all right. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.